Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Good morning, church. You guys doing good today? I'm fired up, man. Just getting started. Jessica shot me down today, girl. I need you. Uh, Josiah, if you can keep playing for me. If I ever become a traveling preacher, I'm going to keep my key guy with me. I need it. I, I am that kind of preacher. I'm, a con- I'm excited to continue this series on the Holy Spirit. You know, nothing and nobody has changed my life like the Holy Spirit has. Nothing. As good as my parents have been, as lucky as I've been to marry my wife, as grateful as I am for the different breaks and coincidences that I've seen in the hand of God move, man, I am so grateful for the Holy Spirit. You know, I find it so interesting. Travis had no idea what my first verse was. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 It talks about who is mentioned first in the Bible. You know God the Father wasn't mentioned first. Jesus wasn't mentioned first. The Holy Spirit was mentioned first. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 says, The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Verse 3, you guys know it. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. See, as we read the scriptures, we see the difference in their nature, in the Father, in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit. Typically, the Father initiates something. He initiates the call. He initiates the move. Jesus is the Word. He is speaking. John calls him the Word of God. But the Holy Spirit works. And the Holy Spirit's been on the earth for over 2,000 years, ready and willing to move in you and move through you. See, there's some things that we need to pray about, and we need to pray about an awful lot of things, but I believe just as much that we need to move. You know, God moves through people who move. He's waiting for people that will move, and the Holy Spirit especially is ready and willing to move. So who is the Holy Spirit? When I heard this when I was a child. It was very confusing. I heard, and you probably heard this, God is three but one. And in my young, undeveloped mind, I immediately pictured Siamese twins. And I was like, this is so weird. So you got Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and they're just all together moving the same. And and I didn't really understand it. But as I got older, I read the verse in Scripture says that when a man and a woman come together, the two shall become one. See, when I got married to Angel eight years ago, and all the married people in the house will recognize the fact, we did not automatically become the same person. We did not automatically always move the same direction or agree on every single thing. But now we have the same focus, we have the same mission, we have the same goals, we got the same bank account, we got all these same things, and we're moving in the same direction. God is three but one. He is Father, he is Son, Jesus, and he is also Holy Spirit. Now, let's talk about this. This is some good theology. You guys are going to like this. A lot of times we hear Jesus is in my heart. You know, it doesn't say that in the Bible. I wouldn't want to live in your heart. 
It's bloody, disgusting. It's moving too much. I need some space, man. The Bible says the Father is in heaven. Jesus is on his right hand on the throne, but the Holy Spirit is on the earth today. John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and it's the night before he dies, and I want you to imagine what would you do if you knew tomorrow was your last day? Who would you see? Where would you go? What would you say? And for the majority of Jesus' conversation with his disciples in John 14 through 17, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And in John 16, 7, he finally lets the truth out, and he says, so let me say it again, this truth. It's better for you that I leave. If I don't leave, the friend, the Holy Spirit won't come, but if I go, I will send him to you. Better for you. Now, that's hard to believe. We'll discuss that a little bit later. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, right now, we welcome you here. I pray that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, willing heart to understand. Lord, help us leave this place better than the way that we came in. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you, Josiah. You know, I almost pray for the Dallas Mavericks to beat the Clippers. It's game seven today. I am thinking about that. And I guess I'm the only one thinking about that. Yeah, okay. Thank you, Michael. Uh, does anybody in here like perks? Wow, none of y'all like perks. Anybody like a discount, something free? You like VIP? You like a premium seat? Man, you guys are being, I don't need perks. Man, I am all about the perks. I am all about shopping at Kroger and getting me all the gas points that I can get. My father raised me to be very frugal. I, <laughs> I'll take, hey, I can take three cents off. I am all about the points on my Chick-fil-A app so I can get free fried chicken, the Lord's food. <laughs> now I want Chick-fil-A, man. And God knows my wife is all about her points as she shops for furniture and our 10% back. She's all about it. Babe, we get 10% back. I'm like, but I'm losing 90% right now to get 10%. One of my favorite bands is U2. I love U2. They got the picture up behind me on the screen. I've seen U2 twice. First time I saw them, it was 2009. We were at Cowboys Stadium, and I went with five friends, including Pastor Joel. And we go, and we sit, and you know, if you've ever been to, show of hands, you ever been to Cowboys Stadium, AT&T Stadium, just so I know what I'm working with? Okay, cool. We get tickets, and we were cheap, and I figured it would be a good seat, but we were on the third level, and it was horrible. They had not, and typically in AT&T Stadium, there's not a bad seat. But here's the trick. They hadn't turned the TV on yet. You couldn't see anything. The giant screen wasn't on. The audio was not good. It's so much better now. I don't know if it's changed or if it's just my perception of what I'm walking into, but we watched the first act, Muse, and they were incredible. But man, we were like, these seats, this ain't doing it, man. We need better seats. So we said, we split up into two groups, three and two. And we said, we're going to break an intermission. We're going to find the best seats that we can find. 
And we break up into groups, and I go, me and two buddies, Pastor Joel and his buddy, they go down, and about 15 minutes later, we've wandered down into the first level, sixth row, right by the stage. And I'm like, man, I was so, you're like, Brandon, you didn't pay for those seats. Listen, this was 12 years ago. <laughs> Let's talk about what you were doing 12 years ago. So 12 years ago, I go down, I get my free seat that somebody paid for, didn't show up for, and I'm like, man, I'm about to pull out my phone. I'm like, I'm gonna call Pastor Joel, like, we got the best seats. So I'm about to call him, and all of a sudden, I look at the floor, right by the stage, and I see this man, this lucky man. I see Pastor Joel right next to the stage. I'm like, how did you get so close? And he's looking at me, and I'm like, man, whatever, lucky dog. One of the best shows I've ever been to Nothing like having a premium seat. This past Sunday, I was at the Frisco Fair. I didn't necessarily plan to go at the Frisco Fair, but I went with friends, and um, there's just too many people for me. It's not my vibe, but I went, and they had the Ferris wheel, and I'm going to tell you something about me. I don't like heights. I used to like heights. I used to do all the rides at Six Flags, but I haven't been there in a long time, and I've started to accrue this um, anxiety when it comes to heights. I don't like, even when we were at our house and walking in, we were on the second floor, I was like, man, I wouldn't walk by the ledge. I need some space. So imagine 12 floors up, and my buddies are making fun of me. They're like, Brandon, we're gonna get you on the stride. I'm like, look at this line. It's, it's an hour. It's an hour line. And my buddy Cassius, he is one of one. Now, we all take different personality tests. You cannot find Cassius on a personality test. He is my boy. He walks up close to the front of the line, slips out a 20, gives it to a couple of high schoolers. They're like, oh, yeah, 20 bucks? We automatically go up to the front of the line. You know, I was just saying I was doing this 12 years ago, and last week I was caught red-handed uh, in the act. So I need a premium seat. Man, I did not like the Ferris wheel at all, but I, I'm here today. I made it. Once I saw the three-year-old get off, I knew I could do it. The four of us were jammed in there. I was like, man, I'm so nervous. I would rather speak in front of thousands of people than be right here on the Ferris wheel. But back to the story. John 16, Jesus had been with his disciples for three years. He's ate with them. He's traveled with them. They've watched him minister. He's also watched them and empowered them to minister and do the same things that he could do. Anytime he says something, it comes to pass. He tells the wind to be still, and it is. He says, hey, you're gonna find a donkey right over there at this person's house, and they do. He's hungry, the tree doesn't have fruit, and it's not even in the season, we don't talk about that, but he gets mad at the tree, tells it to die, and it does. Every time he says something, it happens. But in this verse, John chapter 16, verse seven, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. I say it again. Now, have you ever said, to be honest, or I'm not lying, you can believe me? Jesus is saying, I know you're not gonna believe me, but I'm telling you the truth. It's better that I leave so the Holy Spirit can come. Why is it better? Let's say Jesus never went back to heaven. Jesus is in Israel If you wanted to see and talk to Jesus, you couldn't just call him up because apparently two billion people call themselves Christians and he wouldn't just give out his number. 
like that. And even if he did, it'd be hard to reach him. If you want to see Jesus, if you want to pray to Jesus, if you need a touch in your life from Jesus, guess what? You have to buy a ticket to Tel Aviv, Israel. And the tickets ain't cheap. They're over $1,000, and the flight is brutal. I've done it. I didn't like it. I like the flight back a lot better because I knew I wouldn't have to do it again. You would have to get a rental car. You would get your rental in Tel Aviv, and you would drive down to the Sea of Galilee because that's where he's always at. If you read the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is always around this sea. All, 90% of the time, he actually lives by the sea, about 100 feet away. He loves it. He loved the water. If you wanted to find him, you had to then drive to the Sea of Galilee, probably to Capernaum, and then you get to get in line. Mmm, I hate lines. You have to get in line. And let's just say there's a million people there, which really isn't that many if two billion people follow him. Let's say Jesus spends a minute with each person, but he's still human, so he's got to eat, he's got to sleep, he's got to use the restroom, he's got to do all of these things. But let's say he takes 14 hours out of his day to be with the people. That would be pretty draining. I could not do this every single day. 14 hours with the people. You know how long it would take him to get to you? 1,190 days. 3.26 years in line. That's why it's better. It's better for you that the Holy Spirit came so that Jesus, so that, so the Holy Spirit came, Jesus left. I'm botching that verse. Anyway, you get the story. It's better for you. Changes the game. Now I don't have to travel to Jesus. I don't have to pay for Jesus. I, I just, I have the Holy Spirit in me. The guarantee of my salvation. Hebrews 13, 6 talks about the Holy Spirit saying he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He's always there. Now be mindful of that. That's good, but sometimes we're being bad. And guess who's there? The Holy Spirit. Scripture says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about what the Holy Spirit offers you that no one else can. What are the benefits? Why is it better for you? Just three points. Number one, the Holy Spirit is your seal and guarantee. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, the message says, It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth, and believed it, this message of your salvation found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and a glorious life. See, in Greek and Roman times, when this was written, and even in some places today, if, if, you, if the shipper was going to send something, he would carefully inspect the package to make sure that nothing was missing, nothing was broken, that it, that it was going to be approved by the sender. And once everything was approved, then they poured hot wax on the top so that nobody could get in it. And then they would put the seal of the person sending it on the wax, and they would know exactly who it was coming from. It wouldn't say your name, your address, or return. It would just have the signet of the person sending it. So in this verse, Paul tells us that you, when you were 
when you believed and were born again, that God examined you to make sure that there was nothing wrong, there was nothing broken, that you were faultless, and he saw none of that. In fact, believe it or not, when God sees you because of Jesus, he sees perfection. He sees someone that's made right with God. And then we automatically become shipped. Talk about Amazon for a minute. If I were to ask you, excuse me, if you were to ask me, Brandon, what's your favorite store? I would not say Amazon. If you look at my bank account, it would say Amazon. Amazon, <laughs> Amazon is the favorite store I know. Some of y'all Amazon shoppers know this ain't an Amazon box. Why? Because you don't see their seal. Anytime you get something from Amazon, you got the seal of it. You know it's coming. Anytime I get a package, I get a box. It sees a seal. I see no one's been in there. I take it to my kitchen. I unwrap it. Not like a gift, although my wife likes her gifts from Amazon. And we unwrap it, and we like what we see. But on the other times, there had been a time or two where the seal was broken, and someone had tampered with it. Someone had tried to steal my order to see if it was valuable enough for them to take. You know, in the same way, you are in the process of being shipped. You believe in Jesus, you're born again, guess what? Earth is not your home. You are on the way to heaven, but you are not there yet. You have been inspected, you have been found faultless through Jesus to go there, but no matter if you feel like your box has been dropped, if it's been damaged, if it's been mishandled, the Holy Spirit is your seal and your guarantee that you might feel like life has treated you wrong, that you got the wrong hand, but guess what? You're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. Jesus has delivered you. The Holy Spirit is in you. That's what it means when the Holy Spirit is your seal and your guarantee. Number two, the Holy Spirit is your partner in prayer. The 20th century evangelist, Catherine Kuhlman, said you cannot miss when the Holy Spirit prays through you. See, if you're a baseball fan or basketball fan, you know if you watch baseball or softball, good batting average is 300% or higher. Three out of 10 times to get a hit to make it on base, that's considered success in baseball. If you're playing basketball, if you're watching basketball, you know that good shooters typically shoot 50% or higher. Five out of 10 times, they're making it. Catherine Kuhlman and the Bible says that when you pray in the spirit, you do not miss. You are batting, you are shooting, you are praying 100%. You are praying the perfect will of God. Scripture says that when you don't know what to pray and you start to pray in the spirit, you are praying perfect prayers. When you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit starts speaking through you, your partner in prayer, changing the game for you. Romans chapter eight, verse 26 says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. In verse 28, you know it. 
And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Don't you love that last verse? I hear that verse so much. You know, when we interpret Scripture, we don't just pull a verse out of context. We read it in context. And Paul is writing in Romans chapter 8 that when you pray perfect prayers, when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, even if you don't know what to pray for, that now when you're praying in the Spirit, praying perfect prayers, God is working all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Verse 26. I'm going to break this down for a minute. I want to point out a few words. The first word is help. And the Holy Spirit helps us. That word help means that you're not the only person doing the job, but there are two people now. There are two or more people helping you. It's an idea of that you have to move something very heavy, a boulder, a, a project at work, and you can't do it alone. So someone comes alongside you to help. Guess what? These chairs you're sitting on did not magically appear. They came in 2,500-pound boxes. There was five people here. Me, Austin, Nate. Thank you, God, for people in their 20s to help us. Chris, who oversees the building, I hope to look like Chris when you're in your 50s, but you're still in your 50s. Then we had somebody in their 60s, an ex-Army Ranger, and that was our squad to move these. This is horrible. This is such a bad memory. Why am I talking about this? These chairs were delivered, and they were on a dolly, but do you know how much strength you got to have to the tilt it and then lift it? And one by one, we each had a roll in our spot, and we did it 20 times, and it felt like pure agony each and every time. And we pulled that dolly around, making sure not to hit the walls, and we would wheel it in here. But then once you wheeled it in here, then it was the hard part. You had to put this thing back up. Man, we all had our spot, and I, we all knew our delivery, and for whatever reason, I was the guy on the end, and I kind of just pushed it forward. It was so difficult, not one person could not do it. Two people could not do it. It took five people to do it. In the same way, prayer is not something that you're responsible for alone. That's good news. Prayer is not something that you do all by yourself. You need the Holy Spirit to partner with you in prayer. Let's look at the word weakness. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. You know what weakness means. It means emotionally, physically, spiritually weak. See, by ourselves, we are too weak to get the job done. We need the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this last phrase. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. That phrase, prays for us, is the word that we get for intercession. You know, you don't ever hear the word intercession at work. You only hear about it at church. See, this word was just used in ancient biblical times, and it's a word that was used for a rescue operation. 
And if someone's abandoned and someone's on an island and someone's house is burning down and they need a rescue operation, that's what intercession means. And when you need help, when you begin to pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit falls with you in your situation and begins to help you, begins to rescue you, begins to deliver you. He is your partner in prayer. It's his responsibility to partner with us. So knowing that, never hesitate to say this, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. This is what the intercessory ministry of the Holy Spirit is all about. So what are you, what are you praying for when you pray in the Holy Spirit? Two things. Number one, you could be praying for yourself. Jude chapter one, verse 20, Jesus' half-brother says this, but you, dear friends, must build. Everybody say build. Oh, man. Say build. There we go. Must build each other up in our most holy faith, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. That word build is the word for a, a building, for an edifice. And Jude is saying that when you pray in the Spirit, you are building yourself up. So you might be 5'8 on the outside, but you might be 10 feet on the inside because you are praying in the Spirit. You are building your spiritual size and length and your capacity. See, the size of your spirit is not limited by the size of your body. It's not. You know, in the same way, you might be small on the outside, but big on the inside. But you might see someone who's massive on the outside. They could be a bodybuilder, an athlete, whatever, and they're built. But if they're not taking care of what's in here, then they could look like a kid from a third world country, malnourished, needs help, needs the right food, needs the right nutrients. Because that's how you build yourself up, by praying in the Holy Spirit. See, every time I get ready to host, to minister, I'm sitting in this chair, and half of the time I am singing the song. The other half of the time, you don't hear me, but I am praying in the Spirit. I'm charging myself up. I'm praying for myself. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for God's perfect will and the service for the Holy Spirit to move. And I got to tell you, the more I pray, the more confident I get. The more I pray, the more secure I am that I'm not in this alone. The more I pray, the more I feel myself being built up and saying, you know what, I can't do this alone, but now, with the Holy Spirit's help, I know I can go into this. Anytime you have a big uh, project or a meeting or an important conversation with a spouse, uh, someone you work with, your, as you parent uh, your kids, what if you went into that and you prayed in the Spirit beforehand and you built yourself up? See, this is the key, man. This is the secret ingredient as a believer, is building yourself up. The second way, second thing you pray for when you pray in the Spirit is you are praying for others. You don't know who you're praying for, but according to verse 27, your heavenly Father does. So how do you know when you're supposed to intercede for somebody? Sometimes, you just, you just kind of feel like an ache. You feel like something's wrong. You feel just something's missing, and I need to pray. And you might be busy. You might be driving. You might be getting ready. You might be working. You might not be doing something, but you can just pray under your breath. If you're by yourself, you can pray in the Spirit, and you're praying in the Spirit, 
and you're praying the perfect will of God, you're standing in the gap for people. Now, this sounds completely selfless to me. This, this is a good place to be in. A lot of people don't want to be an intercessor. They don't want to be an intercession. How does it work? It sounds too hard. It takes too long. I'm not even praying for myself. I'm praying for somebody else. But if you make yourself available to God, he will use you in this way. Couple months, and so let me say this. How do I know when I'm done? You feel the peace of God. You feel like you're done. You feel like you've finished a project and you can move on. Couple months ago, I was really down and I had no idea why. And if you know me, that doesn't happen. I don't get too high, I don't get too low. I'm just easy going, in the middle, not too much phases me. Now I don't get too happy or too sad, but I'm just right here moving forward. But a couple months ago, I felt really down. And it was so perplexing to me because I had nothing to be down about. Nothing had, been, nothing had happened to me. People hadn't said something rude to me that I wasn't understanding. It was, I just felt down. I couldn't put my place, my finger on it. And Wednesday went by and Thursday went by and I felt the same way and Friday and we hung out with friends on Friday and I didn't even have that good of a time. It had nothing to do with them. It had everything to do with me. And then on Saturday morning, this pastor wised up and said, you know what, I think I'm gonna pray about this. <laughs> and it's just been a busy week and I prayed a little bit, but I'd never prayed through it. And I got my journal out and I started to talk to the Lord, he started to talk to me, I started to pray in the spirit. And I prayed in the spirit as I was, as I was doing tasks in the house, an angel had an event, she was gone, I was just doing my thing, praying in the spirit. And I realized about halfway through who I was praying for. And the people that I was praying for in life are people that I've been called to assist and they'd had a rough week, I had no idea about it. But I started to pray in the spirit, and after a couple hours, I prayed through it. I felt fine. I felt peace. Haven't been anything since. Just prayed through, interceding for people. You know, there are people in your life that you're called to support. Are you praying for your spouse? Are you praying for your kids regularly? Kids, are you praying for your parents? Whether you're in their house anymore or not, are you praying for them? There are people in your life that you're called to support in prayer. It could be your boss. It could be the government. It could be your pastors. That would be awesome people to pray for us. That'd be really good. I love it. You, we all have people in our lives that we're called to pray for. You can literally pray through it with the Holy Spirit, your partner in prayer. Number three, last point, the Holy Spirit is your God. John chapter 16, verse 13 says, but when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth there is. Guide you. Man, I pray this all the time. Holy Spirit, thank you for guiding me. Thank you for leading me. Thank you for ordering my steps. Thank you for leading me into truth. Holy Spirit, you are my God. About five years ago, I went to New York City for the first time and went to Manhattan, and we stayed in this little boutique hotel across the street from the Empire State Building. I remember they walked us to our room, and they opened the door, and all I saw was a bed 
I was like, this is it? I was like, where's the bathroom? She shut the door. She said, it's right here. I was like, man, okay. Anyway, places not to stay. But that's where we stayed the first time in New York City. And we saw some sights, saw some things. But I learned later on that we had done New York City all wrong the first time. Second time we went, fall 2009, I had a buddy text me. And he lives in Manhattan. He said, Brandon, hey, I'm going to be gone for the whole month of August and the first week of September. I'm texting a few close friends. Do you want to stay at my place for free while I'm out and just have a vacation on me? I said, absolutely, I will. Perks, baby, perks. I said, I will. And I locked down Labor Day weekend, and we spent five to six days in New York City. And he lived uh, kind of north Manhattan, and we utilized the subway. And to be honest, I didn't use the subway the first time, which is doing it all wrong. But there's some scary people, as you know, in the subways. And you see some things that you can't unsee. Uh, stories I can't even tell in church. But we utilized the subway, went all around <laughs> Manhattan. And, um, but we used this bus, this tour guide, and it's called, they're going to throw the picture up. It's the red bus tours, the big bus tours. And we'd buy our ticket on our phone, and they'd inspect us in this door, and we'd walk up, and we'd get our seat on the top, and I guess there's about 50 spots. And they would give us these earphones so that we could hear the guide, and the guide took his place at the front of the bus. And the guide would take us, and they're going to throw some pictures around of just different places. The guide would take us to all the major spots, the places to be, the places of reference, the places of interest in New York City. We went through Broadway and Times Square and Chinatown and the Statue of Liberty and the East and West Side and so on. But having a guide changed the game for us. He shared all the history, the sites, the shortcuts, the points of interest. And one of my favorite parts is anytime you got to a place of interest, you could get off the bus and go wander around and have lunch in Chinatown and go into this little basement. You're like, am I really that safe right now? But you have lunch in a basement. All these different famous people have been here and, and you go off and you do your thing and you get off knowing there's another bus coming in 15 minutes. And the bus has a place to sit. It's got some earpieces for, earpieces for you and it's got a tour guide to lead you. See, our willingness to allow the guide to lead and then follow his direction saved us time from making mistakes. He showed us exactly where to go and exactly where not to go, which is important in New York City. <laughs> See, the Holy Spirit deeply desires to be your guide in life. And if you'll let him lead you, he will offer you sound guidance in every sphere of your life. If you listen to his voice, he will tell you, he will lead you in the career you're supposed to be, the person you're supposed to marry, how you're supposed to parent your kids, maybe the place you're supposed to work, how you navigate this difficulty, this challenge, and he'll guide you, and you'll be saving so much time by letting the Holy Spirit be your guide. Because guess what? He is the only one who knows the future. So he is the only one qualified to lead you. He's the only one. So why is the Holy Spirit better for us, he's your seal and your guarantee, he's your partner in prayer, and he's your guide. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, today we specifically want to just thank you. Thank you for being all these things to us. Thank you for being God in our life. Thank you 
for being willing to live inside of us, to lead us, to guide us, to speak to us. Holy Spirit, help us to better follow you. To where in the morning, we don't just go about the day, but we say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the word today. Thank you for good ground. And Lord, we just give you all the praise and all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. All right, guys, well, we love you. Thank you for your time. I'm going to turn it over to Travis. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.